everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we have such a fun guest today. Oh, such a fun guest. We've got Taylor Lorenz from the New York Times. She covers everything influencer culture and the internet. And I feel like her articles are always the ones that all of my friends are reading. Yes. But before we get into it, this episode is sponsored by Rent the Runway. So we are both completely obsessed with their unlimited membership, which gives you access to a rotating closet for more than 600 designers. So we'll tell you more about it later in the episode. But if you want to sign up, you can use the code BOP to get $100 off your first 60-day trial. This episode is also brought to you by Night, the makers of our favorite pillow. It's comfortable. It's good for your skin and hair. It's basically a win-win. Again, we're going to tell you more about this one later in the episode, but if you want to try the Night Pillow or any of their other amazing beauty sleep products, you can take 20% off at discovernight.com with code BOP20. So before we get to Taylor, Grace, what has been your high this week? Okay. I, um, I've had a lot of visitors. So my friend Natalie was visiting... Um, from Charleston this week, and that was really fun. But we went out a lot and went to a lot of parties, and I'm feeling a little run down. And then um, the guy that I'm dating is staying with me for a few days. So that is really fun. Um, Here at the Hotel Atwood. Hotel Atwood. Hotel Stripe. Um, that's actually what my friends call it because I like wanted my apartment to feel like a hotel when I moved in. How are your TripAdvisor reviews? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No bad Yelp scores yet. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. How about you? This is a silly one, but um, I brought one of my plants back from the brink of death, and I feel so victorious. That's so impressive. What did you do? What did you do to it? So I think the biggest thing that I did was I moved it. <laughs> such a stupid thing, but so this is that such helps. a huge victory for me because I, in my old apartment, not this current one, but my old apartment, I had I at one point I think I bought six plants. I killed them all within a year. Mm -hmm. All of my plants in my new apartment are doing well, except for this one. No, I, I killed one. That's not true. I killed one in this apartment. but Yeah, I killed one. My big plant is doing great. But I had this little plant. It's like green, and then it kind of has pink on the leaves, and I thought it was so cute. And all the ends of the leaves turned brown. Oh. And I was like, I couldn't figure it out. Or I was like, I don't think it's that I'm the watering schedule. I don't know. So then anyway, I had watered it and I just put it on my kitchen cart next to a window. And it was already in a sunny spot, but I think it like really likes sun. Mm. And now it has come back from the brink of death. It had like just a little baby sprout. And I was like, oh, should I just throw this thing out? Like I've really yeah. killed this. But its sprout is coming along so well. That's so exciting. Good job. I'm my mom would be proud. Mom. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. What about your low? My low is just a dumb one. It's not a dumb one. I um so my like year end bonus gift to myself or whatever was I bought the design within reach bed that I had been saving up for and just like drooling over for so long and it was supposed to be delivered and it showed up broken. <laughs> so they had to take it away and I guess they're bringing it back tomorrow, but I don't believe them. There is nothing more frustrating than ordering furniture and it not working out. It was it just it took 2 months for it to come. And it was such a big purchase. And I just feel like certain, like a luxury retailer should be held to a different standard of customer service. Like um, if it was Ikea, I would have been understanding if it right. showed up cracked or something. I had in my old apartment, I had a really tight corner when right when you walked in. Yeah. And when I first moved in there, I ordered a couch and it wouldn't fit around the corner. 
Oh, so I had to have them. It was it wasn't their fault, but I had to have them take it away. Yeah. And then I had to order a, a new couch, and I just like had the saddest living room for months while I was waiting for the new one. It's just so hard because it takes so long to come. And then when it you've like I'd been like building anticipation. It was like Christmas morning for me. I was like, it's coming today, and then it shows up broken. I was just like oh. so devastated. This is like such a privileged, stupid problem that my expensive bed showed up broken, but. It sucked. I will say that um, at first they were completely unresponsive to my, I called them, I emailed them and I DM'd them. And then my friend James escalated it to his friend who works there. And then I got like a really nice personalized treatment. But I always say like, if I didn't have like a social media following, then what would have happened? Would I just be still calling them? I would hope that if you're buying a bed that's as expensive as that one is, that they would be treating you well, no matter who you are. I would I would hope so too. I, I I'm a little skeptical though. Hmm. Yeah. But the bed is coming. Hopefully next week it's my high that I love it so much. Great. Yeah. What about you? I have two. So the first one is that I'm getting sick. I just started feeling not great yesterday. I'm a little nervous that you're gonna get me sick. I know. I have a low fever. I'm I just I felt like I'm on the downswing. So it's currently Thursday. And I was like, well, I feel like we should record now because if I end up getting really sick, then I'm certainly not going to want to record then. So getting sick, I'm in the weird anticipation state where I'm like, what is this going to turn into? (laughs) So we don't know yet. Um, The second thing is, so within our division of responsibilities for the podcast, I handle all of our accounting stuff and doing Getting ready for taxes for the podcast has been such a headache. And it's funny because we made literally, can I say how much yeah, I think we made say. last year? I think we each made $9,000 from the for podcast the whole year. last year for the whole year, which is, don't get me wrong, great for a hobby it is something. But the amount growing. of time we spend on it. it's And it's growing, which is really exciting, but it is nothing. And so now I'm like dealing with all of nobody is sending us 1099 so i'm like tracking down all of our tax forms and like oh like that's so annoying i was under the impression that if you didn't get a 1099 you just declare it as non-1099 income and it's not your fault i don't don't think so i think non-1099 income is for like other types of income that somebody doesn't owe you a 1099 i don't know i just always give my accountant, my list of everyone and what um what they paid me. And it's in my QuickBooks, too. And then he figures it out. Well, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Now I'm just harassing people. But mm, yes, good times. I have over 100 1099s that I have to go log. That sucks. It's not fun. Have you gotten them, though? Yeah. But okay. I don't know if I've gotten 1099s from everyone. I had to make a list the other day of all the ones that we were expecting. And of them, there's probably like mm, 30-ish. Yeah. Of them, we've gotten four. Oh, that's that's real bad. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. okay. Yeah, the podcast taxes are a dark side that I did not anticipate. Oof. Okay. Anyway, if you feel bad for me because I'm sick and dealing with the government, you know what you can do? Leave us a review. It would make me feel a lot better. Yeah. I would love that. And even more so, if you want to take a screenshot of this podcast and put it on your Instagram story to share it with your friends and get them to listen, I would love that. It really makes such a difference and helps us grow. And 
it also just brightens our day. We read That's our true. reviews every single, every day. I check in every day. And also, obviously, DMs and mentions. Did you see the one last week? Slam Duncan. Slam Duncan. I love that. That was my that. favorite review. Wait, can we read it? I love this one. Gonna, I think just the headline. Slam Duncan. It was really nice. But yeah, I- it was very cute. This person had a goal to read more after giving birth to her second baby. And she says, thanks goodness for our recommendations. Yeah, it's really nice. That was really sweet. Yeah. All right. Should we get into the episode? Yeah, let's talk to Taylor. Yes. Taylor Lorenz is a technology reporter at the New York Times where she covers internet culture. She talks about influencers, social media, and memes, amongst other things. She was previously a staff writer at The Atlantic and The Daily Beast. Taylor's writing has been everywhere. She has appeared in outlets including the New York Magazine, BuzzFeed, and many more. She lives in Brooklyn, and we are so excited to have her here. We're big fans. Taylor and I met... At a four party, James yeah. Nord was like, you need to go talk to her. She's really cool. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. And Becca and her ha- share a very intense TikTok obsession. True. As well as, we- <laughs> what was the other thing you both love? Her little sister is friends with one of my good friends. Yeah. We no, like but there was something connection. else you both are obsessed with that um, I had to rein in. What are we in. both obsessed with? TikTok um, and... Something else. Wait, what were we obsessed with? I don't know. It's mostly TikTok. Yeah, it's mostly, it's mostly TikTok, which I like. There is something else, though. You There's just said it. Yeah, it was like this. when, we, it was like five minutes ago we were talking about it. Now yeah. I can't remember. We talked for like an hour before we started recording. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come back. But yeah. Taylor, we're so excited you're here. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about weird internet stuff. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay, wait. Before we get into the weird internet stuff, though. Can we hear in your own words, like, who you are and what you do? Yeah. So um, I write for the style section of the New York Times, which people always think that means, like, I write about fashion, which I very much do not. Um, I write about internet culture, basically sort of, like, anything going on online, like, trending stuff, um, and a lot about influencer culture. I've written about kind of, quote-unquote, internet-famous people um, for a really long time, Uh and I mean, yeah, so I've covered generations of YouTubers, Viners, now TikTokers, all that type of stuff. Um, and it's really fun. I write like culture features, so less like breaking news and more kind of like longer form things. I'm sure that people have read Taylor's article. She just had a great article in the New York Times about podcast Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which everyone should go join ours. Wait, did I link to yours? I you think didn't, I did. But it's okay. No, it's I fine. didn't. We'll it's okay. I, I feel like I linked, I tried to link upset. to like no, so like, many. I Well, when I initially filed it, I like linked to like 13 of like all my favorite. Yeah. And I think my editor was like, cut it in half. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. Um, But how does one get this job? How does one come to be an internet culture reporter. I don't think in college you were like, I'm going to cover TikTokers. Okay. In college, <laughs> I was at frat parties, <laughs> not on the internet very much at all, actually. Um, but after I graduated, literally uh, over 10 years ago, um, I basically graduated into the financial crisis, like same, many millennials. <laughs> and uh, I was working a bunch of temp jobs, um, kind of not sure what I wanted to do. And this girl at one of my temp jobs showed me Tumblr. She was like, oh, I just go on Tumblr all day uh, at this reception his job. And I remember when I found Tumblr and I was like, what is this? This is so cool. Yeah, th- literally. So I found it in 2009 and I that was the end. Like I, I was on it like 17 hours a day, the way I am on TikTok now. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this is the best. I started going to Tumblr meetups, 
all my friends were from Tumblr. And I mean, I grew up in Connecticut and um, I would say most of my friends are pretty offline people growing up. And I remember when I first got into Tumblr, it was weird. I felt like I like really found my people. Like I was just like, oh my God, there's this whole world of like creative, cool James Nord. I was going to say, did you and James yeah. find over? Because he was such a Tumblr person. I know, person. I remember him. I followed yeah. him forever. Um and yeah, it just became my life. And, um, you know, that was also the time when a lot of big YouTubers were on Tumblr. So I ended up building a bunch of sort of popular Tumblrs. People sort of knew me from Tumblr. What was your most popular Tumblr? Oh, it's so funny because when I went back through, I, I like archived and deleted so oh. many of them. I had like 80 of them. And I, what? Um, yeah, like a couple years ago, I was like, I shouldn't have all this on the internet. Just, I don't know. Um, I did that with my blogs. I had like five different blogs. Yeah. From like years ago. I did that with my Twitter because my Twitter was just, I don't tweet that much. And it was all just me complaining to airlines. <laughs> oh, no. Just Becca. like an endless stream of complaining to airlines. <laughs> they need to make a separate, I was complaining about an airline today, not a specific airline because we're not allowed to do that. But like I was just ranting about flying. And I think they need a separate Twitter just for like yeah. flying rants. Wait, is that New York does Times it. policy? You're not allowed to. We can't like tweet at specific brands okay. because they'll be. They'll free, the brand will obviously freak out and be like, ah, a yeah, New York yeah. Times journalist. And um, and I don't really have anything against specific airline brands, but oh, I, I, I just, do. Me too. Oh, I just feel like they're all bad. They're all, something, Not Delta. Something's always going on. Well, I might have been on ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. a certain airline recently that was, I don't know. I've, I've just like, I'm always cursed with lying. But yeah. um, I think Becca is too. Wait, so you deleted your I Twitter, cursed? Becca? No, I just deleted the tweets oh. because when we started the podcast, I was, I was like, like <laughs> oh, I need to like clean this up. And I went back and I was like, wow, I was just really tweeting at every like airline flight. consumer advocate. <laughs> yeah. Becca starts a podcast. With, but yeah, with with like 300 followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only because we talk about books a lot and all the authors are on Twitter. Yeah. So I was like, Becca, like we need to be tweeting. And she was like, I don't want to tweet. And so then I forced her. It's too fast. I don't like Twitter. I know it's really toxic, but I'm in it. I, I like actually, you on Twitter. You're one of my favorite people to follow. <laughs> oh my God, thank you. I think it's just a hard thing to jump into. Yeah, it's so yeah. hard to jump into. It's like trying to drink from a fire hose. Yeah. I like, yeah. I, I mean, I got on Twitter only to follow my friends from Tumblr. So I got on Twitter like kind of like late for media people, I guess. I got on it like 2011, I think, okay. is when I started using it. Um, But for my first year on there, I had a locked account and I would tweet at people all the time and I didn't realize that they couldn't <laughs> see it. Yeah, that's so funny. I was like, oh, this is why I'm not making any friends on this website. But um, yeah, so after that, so basically uh, sort of from Tumblr, I, a lot of like media and advertising people followed me um, on Tumblr at that time and um, were like, you should get a job, like a non-shitty temp <laughs> job. <laughs> So um, this girl that actually worked at Tumblr put me in touch, um, you know, with some people. And I ended up um, getting a job at this ad agency that at the time was like ad week, ad age agency of the year. It was like the hottest agency you could work at. So I started doing social media for brands like corporate Twitter. I ran like, you know, corporate brand accounts, Facebook pages, right? When Facebook pages were still pretty new. Oh, fun. I ran Bobble Bar's social media. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe we talked to each other. We yeah. We talked to brands. Yeah. Who were you doing social for? Uh, so our clients were – I was mostly on Verizon. Oh, okay. Um, which was so fun. During Hurricane Sandy, I was I, oh, doing the Verizon Twitter account when everyone was like, you know, I lost my 4G LTE coverage and I couldn't hear my grandmother's dying words. Like, oh, no. fucking die. Um, sorry to curse. You can curse. Uh, <laughs> but then we also had Miracle Whip, uh, Chevron, oh, uh, Burger King, uh, Bud Light. I did pitched on the Bud Light Facebook page for a while. Oh, fun. Um, Flintstones Vitamins. 
So yeah, it was really fun. Um, but I noticed when I was there in 2011 that the Daily Mail did not have a Facebook page. I don't know if you guys are you guys Daily Mail readers? No, but I I'm a Who Weekly listener, so I get my <laughs> Daily Mail through that. I still read I get- the Daily Mail top to bottom every single day on the homepage. Oh my god, my aunt is the biggest Daily Mail fan, and I feel like she sends articles on Daily Mail all the time to me. It's very funny. It's probably that good headline page. writing. Yeah. Oh my god, the headlines are full paragraphs and they tell you everything. (laughs) It's the best. Yeah. When I had my viral moment for the Amazon nightgown, they did like a big feature on it. And it was like one of the craziest things. I felt like they found my whole life story and put incorporated it into the article. Yeah. Well, they always try to put like hot pictures of whoever it's about. Yeah. Like, which I think is so funny because it's like if there's a hot picture of you on the internet, like the Daily Mail will put like you could be murdered in cold blood and they'll be like (laughs) finding your bikini (laughs) pic from like 2012. (laughs) I trust them to make me like look But good. I mean honestly yeah. like that's better than the alternative. Like if they're gonna dig up my passport photo where I look like an SVU victim, like I don't want that. In the no. The Daily Mail's always like, here's the bikini pic. Exactly. Um but anyway, so I ended up um convincing them to hire me and let me start their entire social media department. Stop it. Yes. Oh my god. That's I so didn't cool. know this. Yes. Yeah. I started that from scratch. From scratch. I had to build it. I ended up running a department of 11 people there. I was a, one of the youngest women in management. Um, and yeah, I, I built their social media from nothing um, and managed. I was the social media editor. I got promoted and promoted. Um, basically ended up managing a team in um, LA, New York, London, eventually Australia. And uh, yeah, it was great. Honestly, it was an amazing job. I had never worked in news before. I never even really considered a job in news. Yeah. Um, but I got a lot of experience. Like suddenly I was writing headlines. I was rewriting stories for Facebook. I was writing up viral news. I was try- you know, doing all this media strategy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I love this. So that's when I started writing about the stuff that I care about, which is the same stuff that I write about now, which is basically like <laughs> what weird stuff is going on on Instagram who's I mean, I getting also famous care about that. Yeah. yeah but wait how long ago was this that was back in 2012 at the end of end of 2011 beginning of 2012 okay okay yeah so that's when you made the switch yeah okay and then uh, yeah and then I was a social media director for most of my career um because I I mean, I, I, I wanted to write, but I'm very dyslexic and I was always really scared. I wrote a lot. I would write freelance on the side, but no one would hire me full time. I failed many writing tests <laughs> trying to get hired. Um, but I helped launch this, um, vertical for people magazine in 2015 that was focused on covering internet celebrities. I was very, I wanted to make my own website. I actually did make my own website for a minute that was just about sort of influencers, basically. Oh. <laughs> also oh. took it offline. I was writing all the articles with no editor, which is really bad. but um it wasn't like drama it was more just like this kinds of stories i wrote now um i finally found this editor cooper fleischman who was at the daily dot and then later Mm mike.com and uh he he really like took me under his wing and taught me how to be a journalist and um, let me write about whatever i wanted and i developed this beat and i i really pushed for this to be a beat to be honest because i tried to get hired at every single media company i don't think there's a media company that i didn't try um, to become a reporter at. <laughs> and look at you now. You're in Now Times. I got it. Yeah. That, yeah. You just have to try hard enough. You just have to keep, keep, keep applying. And then. <laughs> so that's the lesson here you. is like at the time you felt like I also took a not math- great about it. And yeah. now you're at the New York Times. But I also took a huge, 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 huge pay cut twice. So I tried I mean, to. Me too. Every job I took, yeah. I took it's a like, huge pay you cut. Have to, it's like sometimes you just have to do that. I took that my job at the Daily Beast 
and I was making like less than 50% of what I made it. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I went, I actually sold all my belongings, moved into this really tiny, crappy sublet in Crown Heights. And I was like, I'm going to be a writer for a year. And if I don't get a raise, um, or if, or if I'm bad at it, then I'll quit. And my parents were like, that's so stupid. <laughs> don't do that, Taylor. You're like turning 30 soon. And like, you need to get your life together. Um, and then I did it and then it worked out. So it was good. And then I got, I got a raise. Suck it parents. I love that. When I had the same exact thing happen to me, I was like 28 or 29, close to 30, went to Bobble Bar. My parents were like, what is this? Like this yeah. weird jewelry startup. Like, what are you doing? Like I had a, a job at a great beauty company and I'm like, I'm going to take a really big pay cut and go work for this jewelry company, but I'm going to be happier. And they were, they were like, you're going to be on there was no Instagram then. There was Twitter and Facebook. They're like, you're running their Twitter and Facebook. I was like, sure I am. And Tumblr. But yeah. like, they were horrified. Parents oh, like parents always want you to just do the safe job. Yeah. Like well, they would love if I was just like a marketing coordinator at like Deloitte. But I also feel like <laughs> our parents' generation, nobody was in their job for fulfillment. Like nobody loved their job. Yeah. And they were also not like committed to their jobs in the same way because they, email didn't exist mm-hmm. at the beginning of their career. So I feel like everyone in our parents' generations were just, like, work-to-live people. And, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I've had this conversation many times with my family where they don't understand why I've made these, like, on paper, very weird career moves. But I'm like, I just want to be happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. It's crazy. And they're like, we don't know anyone who likes their job. Yeah. Yeah, I know. My dad was saying about it. It's like, no, 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 no. You just work to work. And then, you know, happiness happens outside of work. Right. It's like, no, I, yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, we also, I think people understand now, like, I mean, definitely the financial crisis affected me a lot. And just in the terms of like, these companies will never be loyal to you. Like Mm -hmm. they will fire you if it makes sense for them. Like they can go out of business tomorrow. Like you, you know, at the end of the day, all you have is yourself and you got to do right. And I feel you. like also I know so few people who work 40 hours a week and just punch out at the end of the day and yeah. don't aren't attached to their work in some way. And it's like, if I want, if somebody's going to be emailing me at 10 o'clock at night, like I want to be excited about what I'm doing. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, what's the goddamn point? I know. So we yeah. got a lot of career related questions. We did. The first one, which I'm really curious about, if you weren't in your current role, what do you think you'd be doing? I know this. Um, I think it's weird. <laughs> I think you'd be a TikTok star. Oh my God. I'm too old. Are you kidding me? I know. Me I'd be like one of the grannies on TikTok. Yeah, but you could be like, we could start like an Iron Sanctuary beer bong John type, like older <laughs> people who don't have talent and just talk into mirrors. Yeah, exactly. I think I could do that. I could rant. I do. Po- I have. I mean, I have one hundred and fifty thousand followers, so it's a it's That's a good more jump. Than I've got jump on Instagram. That's great. Yeah, but TikTok followers are not like Instagram followers. Like everyone and also on the TikTok. pace of TikTok followers is really crazy. Like yeah. Charlie, who's the biggest TikToker, started in August. She now has twenty three million followers and she's gotten like a million in the past week it's crazy also like every random teenager that you click on like some middle schooler from des moines will have eighty thousand followers like everyone on the app just has it's like i like wonder what that's done to being in school well i wrote a whole story about that about you have um, high schools and tiktok and kind of the way that it's reshaping the high school experience i didn't read that and i read all of your articles story yeah it's my first a1 story oh my god i have to read it i have it framed in my apartment (laughs) that's amazing um but yeah it's crazy okay so wait what would you be oh so okay so i love horror movies I love horror and I 
I think oh, if, we're going to get along. I think if I didn't work, I'd want to work for like Blumhouse um, Productions. It's like this horror movie. Okay. Uh, so do, or do something in that realm. Like I love creepy movies and I think it would be fun to work in that industry. I don't know what I would do in that world. I'd maybe just do like social media for like some horror film production company or something. I'd want to do that, but books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scary books are my favorite. I used to read so many scary books. I was really into like Goosebumps and Fear Street and all mm, of that. Yeah, that's where mm. I got my start. Oh my god! Yeah, all the R.L. Stein. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. But now I don't read scary books anymore. I need to get back into it. Read Verity. Mm-hmm. Is it good? Oh, it's great. It's really fucked up. Oh, I gotta read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to talk about a sponsor. So today's episode is brought to you by Rent the Runway. I think we can all relate to that feeling of looking at your closet and just feeling like you have absolutely nothing to wear. Rent the Runway is a membership that gets you access to clothing from over 600 designers, including some of my absolute favorites like Veronica Beard, Rebecca Taylor, Tanya Taylor, and more. So here's how it works. With a membership, you get to pick four styles at a time and you can swap those pieces as many times as you want in a month. So I like to try to have two pieces at home and two in the mail at any given time. So that I, I started doing that because of you and it's made such a difference. Yeah. I used to wait till I used all four no. and then mail it back. No, now you always have something new to wear. Mm-hmm. And you can also add extra slots to your membership to get more pieces. Yes. So for me, the membership is amazing because I go to so many events for work. So I always want to look good, but I'm oftentimes having my photo taken. So I don't want to keep rewearing things too often. So that's why Rent the Runway has been so great. I rewear my basics constantly, but I can rent a cool new outfit for or like a fun dress um, for every occasion and then just return it when I'm done and get something else. So for me, I initially joined last spring when we were doing our first live show tour and I needed six outfits and I certainly didn't want to spend $300 or maybe even more for a new dress for every city. And it also saved me last summer when I had four weddings and four bachelorette parties. Yes. You got me hooked on on the service because of that. I know. It's so perfect for occasion dressing where it's something that you probably would only wear a couple of times. So I also feel like I'm a little more adventurous with the the runway. My personal style and anytime I'm buying something, it's always very classic and something that I think is going to – I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of. But I – I had a lot of fun. Like I rented this amazing red lame leopard blazer. If you follow my, me on Instagram, you probably saw it um, from Tanya Taylor. And it also has matching pants. I want to rent the whole suit next. Ooh. Um, but I would never buy that on my own like because it's beautiful, but it's expensive. And it's kind um, of impractical. It's a little impractical. Um, so I had so much fun wearing it to one of my friend's events. And I got so many compliments. Yeah. So Rent the Runway also offers two-day shipping, and they take care of the dry cleaning and the insurance. So it is a totally stress-free experience. I really can't recommend this service enough. It's made getting dressed so much easier and so much more fun. I always have something new and exciting to wear. It's that back-to-school feeling where you have new clothes 365 days of the year. I feel like I shop so much less since I joined. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're ready to try Rent the Runway Unlimited, you can use our code BOP at RentTheRunway.com to get $100 off your 60-day trial. So again, that's RentTheRunway.com, use our code BOP, and get $100 off your 60-day trial. And now back to the episode. Somebody wanted to know um, what your experience being a woman in tech has been, which is kind of a loaded question, but I'm, I'll pivot it to say I want to know what your experience is being a woman in tech reporting on your beat. Like, do you find that people are, do you get a lot of people who like don't take you seriously? I, it's funny. I think people take me really seriously. I mean, I have been like very 
um, active in this world for so long yeah. that I think people know me. And so they think I'm like old, like, especially <laughs> in the world of like YouTube world, like I have been around since, you know, 2009 and I've been really involved in the internet since then. Um, and I think people think of me as like an old school kind of person in that world now, which is yeah. so funny because like, <laughs> it's not that it's not that it hasn't been that long. Um, yeah. So I feel like I have a decent amount of respect. Also, I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, it's different like um, with, you know, it, it, tech reporting. I write about tech from the user side. So I'm not dealing with like the CEO of Facebook. You yeah. know, I'm dealing with like influencers. Right. Um, usually young influencers where I'm right. older than them because I'm in my 30s now and I'm like, hey, kids, you know. So we read this book. Can't believe I'm bringing this up as like justification for this. <laughs> but there was this point in there that really stuck with me that people don't respect the things that women like, where it's like books yes. that women like, movies women like. So the same thing is true of young people, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is stupid. This is a fad where like everyone writes off things that young people like. Yeah, 100%. They just write off young people a lot um, or they fetishize them in a weird way. It's kind of like, oh, these crazy teens, or they think young people are their saviors, where they're like, young people will save us all. Like, there's a narrative online now that's like, oh, the youth, like, they're so woke, and they're gonna save us. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) There's a lot of crazy teenagers with a lot of crazy beliefs. I I don't think they know what they're talking about. They're all the time, you know, they're just trying to figure it out. Um, but But I definitely take teenagers seriously. And I report on that stuff seriously, because it's pop culture and um right. you know that affects yeah you our never world. make it seem dumb you're never condescending about it it's, yeah well cuz really i well i when i started out in media i mean what i hated about the mainstream media i hate using that term but i really don't know like how else to call it i just feel like people that talk about the mainstream media are usually kind of like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> have like some serious opinions about it but i just mean like um this the, the kind of like the internet world wasn't taken seriously and it wasn't um you know people were like so condescending about it people were condescending about my stupid tumblr projects and I hated yeah. that. So I just never want to be that reporter. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Wait, speaking of age, how many younger reporters are at the New York Times? Um, it's funny. I'm in this like channel called like Youngs. That's all the young reporters. But like <laughs> I, most of us are like in our 30s. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of people in their 20s. I mean, New York Times is like very young. It's very age diverse because especially in like the podcasting division and okay. like um, – I mean, my editor is like 24 and she's brilliant. Um, So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of young people. I think like many years ago, like I heard that like back in 2011, 2012, it used to be like there was only a couple reporters that were like 25 and it was a big deal. But now I think, um, you know, the New York Times is so digital focused that we have a lot of other people. Yeah. Can I bring up what was maybe the most controversial topic that we got asked about on internet things? People wanted to know, well, we got a lot of like negative things that I don't care to go into about the morning toast stuff. (laughs) But can we can we talk about what is your drama with the morning toast? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how to summarize this. Um, We also got questions about privacy concerns, which I think are wrapped into that. Yeah. I mean, I have serious privacy concerns about that because I was doxxed. 
What is doxing? Yeah, what it's is doxing? doxing? Well, people use we're dox so now like anytime someone like I saw somebody in the Who Weekly Facebook group today like say that they were doxed because somebody said where they worked and I'm like, lady, you uh, you have a public LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can find that. No one's doxing you. Um, but my home address and parents' address was posted. Um, what is doxing short for? It's basically like when they release like all of this like hyper personal information on you. Okay. So they'll put like your address, your phone number, your parents' information, like not very very, very non-public available information um, with the goal to kind of threaten and harass you. How do they find it out? Oh, God. I mean, you can find out anything on the internet. I mean, now it's much harder to find. I mean, you couldn't really find my address now. I've paid for a lot of like security services that yeah. kind of go through and scrape my stuff off the internet. Um, but before that, um, you could, you know, you could look up a lot more stuff publicly than you'd think. I would encourage everybody to kind of look into privacy services on the internet because there's a lot more information about you than you'd imagine. Interesting. Oh I'm not God. a very privacy concerned person, but I feel like I should be more. Once you go through something like this, I'm sure. you get like super into it. So I'll give you the 101 on okay, the morning please. post. <laughs> Basically, all those people hate me um, because I wrote an article um, about two years ago about Claudia Oshry and her sister Jackie and their history of um, kind of racist Islamophobic comments um, and the fact that their mother is one of um, you know the more famous uh, extremist hate mongers out there. Uh, she's literally banned from entering certain countries because they consider her a threat. What? Yeah. It's crazy. Her name is Pamela Geller. It's terrifying. Google her. I mean, she's this like extremist monster. And, you know, look like extremist in what cause or what way? Just super, super, super right wing, um, like like kind of white supremacy. Um, oh, OK. Like anti is she was the ones that was trying to like not, ma- you know, make sure that there couldn't be a mosque at ground zero. Like she thinks that, um, you know, these Muslim people need to be kicked out of our country. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's really scary and bad. And, um, you know, I look like, I don't think you should be judged just for who your parents are. Like, I'm sure we all have crazy relatives. Like, you know, I totally get that. But um, the problem is, is that, you know, Claudia and Jackie had really sympathized with these views and seen and, you know, had kind of, um, you know, but Claudia had posted many sort of Islamophobic, racist things on Twitter. And, you know, her fans will say, oh, but it was back when it was 2012. No, it wasn't. She was making them as recently as 2017. And, um, you know, January 2018, when I posted this article, she had posted something on Instagram stories just a couple weeks before. So, um, you know, she was very openly at Trump's inauguration. Um, you know, they've, they're very open sort of Trump supporters. She likes her mother's Islamophobic posts. Um, and just recently at her show, at live show at the Beacon Theater, she brought her mother out and her mom was doing meet and greets and everyone cheered and clapped for this woman who is an extremist. So I think, um, you know, it's really bad to normalize those types of points of view. And Claudia's never really apologized for any of this. She gave kind of this half-hearted apology, but what she's really done is viciously attack me. And her behavior is bad. And so, so wait, so talk more about that. So you wrote, so I wrote story. this story. Um, it got, and how there, did you get doxxed? Well, it got their like Yahoo show canceled. Or okay. Whatever. So there are, so, you know, her fans had a meltdown about it. Um, they posted in their Facebook group, somebody actually threatened to gut me like a fish. Oh my um, God. Like super, super, super terrifying things. Um, and yeah, and and some of those members of that Facebook group proceeded to post about my home address, um, go find all of my family members on uh, Facebook, and you know downvote my uncle's you know, 
business on Google, like harass, call the hospital that my aunt works at, like just crazy, crazy stuff. They tweeted photos of my ex's children saying, you know, with the school that they went to. No. What? I have the screenshots of all of it. It's crazy. Yeah. So these people are crazy. And look, there's a lot of like totally normal people in the Morning Toast Facebook group. I think that a lot of people don't really realize this or maybe they see only a part of it, you know, like they like Claudia's podcast, whatever. And like, it's a big community. So I'm not trying to say like, if you're in that Facebook group or if you're a morning toast listener, like you're a bad person, like, no, like, look, I have people that I like that have probably done problematic things in the past, but I think that it's important to understand this context and also just, you know, not condone that behavior and just become aware of it and hold Claudia accountable for it. I mean, before we started the show, I think I was telling you, I've gotten hundreds of messages from people that have basically been alienated from that group that are members of minority groups that are Muslim, that have felt completely out of place at her shows. Um, And, you know, these are these are people that paid to go to her live shows. They're that big fans of hers that they paid to go to the show. And then they get, you know, then they see someone like Pamela Geller being cheered. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's not cool. And I just think people should be aware of it. You know, I don't, Claudia always thinks that I'm like out to ruin her life. I literally am not. I think that anyone who, you know, who normalizes these types of views should be held accountable by their, by their fans. And the fans should call, should call that stuff out more. I feel like that's very, from a casual lens of somebody who knows of her, but isn't in these Facebook groups and doesn't listen to her podcast. I don't feel like this is well known. I know. I didn't know about it. And I think it also just for me as a avid consumer of meme accounts and just all these things, it makes me pause and makes me be like, I need to research everyone I follow and support. I know. Well, you just don't think about it. I mean, like you I don't because you're like, this is funny. She doesn't yeah. have a job. She's tweeting funny things. But then you kind of then you kind of start to see the post. Then you notice that she's at Trump's inauguration. Then you kind of like if you look for it, it's there. And I think that's what's so insidious. Um, yeah. She's oh, she's more aware of it now, I think. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, and again, it, that doesn't mean that. Her life, you know, like, I'm not trying to encourage anybody to, like, go, like, ruin her life. It's just more that, like, if you are going to be a fan of someone, you know, call them out for stuff like that or say, like, look, I'm a huge fan of yours. I've been to your live show. I love your comedy, but I don't really like how you're normalizing these views. Could you not? You know, can we make sure that we don't cheer for your mother? I know it's your mother. You're not going to disown your mother. That's your personal relationship. But don't bring her to shows, um, you know, and get her involved in your community and normalize that type of behavior. So that leads to a really interesting question where do you take into account internet trolls or backlash when you're thinking about writing a story? Yeah, um I don't I I I take into account backlash usually on the person that I'm writing about. Oh, um, okay. More so than myself. Like I don't really care. I if I don't I don't care. I mean, I've written critically about Logan Paul and Jake Paul who have like some of the most dedicated fans on the internet. The, I don't know who they are. Oh my god, they're these two huge YouTubers. One okay. of them like filmed a dead body, and oh god, uh, okay. yeah. Anyway, th- there's like you know you're never going to write 100 um, percent positively about some of these YouTubers, and and that's okay. But I think ultimately the YouTubers respect that I'm going to be fair, and the fans know that you know ultimately it's a fair article. Um, so I don't care if there's a bunch of 12 year olds that are in my mentions mad at you know some <laughs> YouTuber. Um, but I do take into account the harassment that somebody will get. So for instance, um, you know, I've seen a lot of stories where it's somebody with a really small following doing something bad. Um, and 
I don't always write about that unless it's newsworthy. You know, there's sometimes there's just, you know how vicious the internet can be. And I don't want to throw someone under the bus who's ultimately kind of harmless. I mean, sometimes people send me things where it's like, oh, this influencer did cultural appropriation or something. And I look and it's some girl with 85,000 followers and it doesn't seem like she really knows. And it's just, you know, like I'm not the police of the internet. Like I'll write about something if there's a newsworthy value. I mean, with Girl With No Job, she's so big and she's getting such massive brand deals. And, um, you know, she was espousing a lot of this stuff on her show, um, which I don't think that the media company that backed it knew. Um, so that uh, to me warranted enough, you know, it was, she was big enough uh, to sort of weather the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I do, I do try to be sensitive about backlash. There's one story that I've been going back and forth on for like a year. That's, um, I still haven't decided whether to write it because I'm not sure whether these two guys really, I know, I know that if I write this story, the internet will destroy them. And I just, I I don't know that they are really at that level that they can, um, that they deserve that. Yeah. It must also be hard with TikTok, especially, and I'm sure also on YouTube, where a lot of these people aren't underage. Yeah. And they're like, I mean, that's what I feel so bad about Charlie D'Amelio. Sorry, Grace, but she's like the biggest TikToker right now. This girl is 15 years old. and they- She's saying sorry because I don't know anything about TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Charlie personally. But there's also other people who, Obviously. I think Charlie's like super harmless. Yeah. Um, but there's other people who are like, oh, you're kind of problematic, but it's like you're also... 16 but it's like you have such a big following so it's like what do you yeah how do you i had a blog when i was like 24 and i wrote really bad things not bad things but like i would never want my readers to find that and and see it well that the difference is is that you wrote inferior quality articles or you like liked outfits that you wouldn't like now you weren't like you weren't making racist comments on your blog no definitely not but i've just i remember i like said some like stupid shit like Stuff I would never, like, like condescending, like, annoying yeah. things. Like, I was just being a brat. I think that there needs to be room for people to grow up. And I think that that is totally fine. I mean, I think that as a culture, we're kind of, like, taking that more seriously now than ever, which is why I think it's so funny for people being like, oh, Claudia said this when she's 12. It's like, no. But, um, you know, it, it's fine if it, – it's, it's, it's fine if, if you um, you know, follow someone and you, and you kind of – I should think how to put this um, – as a journalist, I feel like that it has to reach a certain newsworthy threshold. I yeah. cannot write a story about every problematic teen on the internet. Like right. I said, I don't want to play internet police. That's not my job. That's not what I do. Um, but I think it's ultimately up to the fans to kind of hold them accountable. And, you know, a lot of teenagers have an evolution. Um, and, and that's fine. They have to go through that in public. That's just part of growing up online now. And that's something that a lot of kids, I think, are learning. Um, I would say that, like, you know... There's more public conversation around it now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And these kids kind of know when they're doing something naughty, like, right. Because they get a lot of backlash from people in comments. So they, you know, some of them still don't want the attention. I think sometimes that's true. But I also think on the whole, comment sections tend to be so negative. So it's that's like, how true. do you separate from like when you do something that really sets people off versus the day to day people who are just, just haters? Baseline negative yeah. to yeah. people who have a certain threshold of following. Yeah. I know it's so toxic. I think you just have to kind of like, I don't know, have a good moral code. And also, I just I try not to hold teenagers too. I mean, te- I've I've seen a lot of kids that personally I just report on uh, evolve drastically in in views, and they always swing back and forth about their beliefs, and that's part of being a teenager. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wait, 
this is not on the outline, but it's kind of in line with everything we're talking about. What about Caroline Calloway? <laughs> oh my God, people are obsessed with her. People also, I mean, because you've never written about her. I've and I don't think you have plans to. No, I've never. I no. I my colleague wrote a whole thing on her, and um, you know, she's been written about in the Times a bunch. And I don't. It, it's not that I don't think I. I I think she's a kind of unique influencer that's been over covered by the media. And um, so that's not very interesting to me. Like I cover stories that have not been covered yet and that are new and interesting. Caroline, every person has written about her. She has a very symbiotic relationship with the, with the, you know, press her press coverage. Um, You're so right about over coverage. Like I, I just feel like, why are we still talking about it? Yeah. I I was hesitant to ask you, but like, it's also just like these people, you know, there's all these people are so dedicated to hating on her. And it's like, I feel like her narrative is also just overdone where I feel like for a while everyone was comparing her to Anna Delvey. When, when Caroline never scammed anyone. Like, no, she, never, yeah, she, like, she didn't steal any money. She, she never stole any money. She's just trying to sell her artwork. Let this girl sell her paintings. Who cares? Yeah, it was if like, you're triggered by it, log off. It was like she is a poor planner and had delusions of grandeur about how big her conference could be and like couldn't pull it off. And, and then Katie Natopoulos at BuzzFeed, the only reporter that actually I thought wrote a good piece that um, – you know, actually interviewed the people that went and all the people were like, oh, I thought it was great. Like I basically was paying for a glorified meet and greet. That's what I got. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you guys are sort of like understand the influencer world better. I think there's a lot of hate around influencers, especially female influencers. You can't, I can't tell people what I do if I don't know them. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm a marketing consultant. And I think that they used <laughs> Becca's right. actual job. But they like use, I mean, I think that like she was this perfect kind of like vehicle to channel that hate into. Right. And, um, you know, so people are just dedicated to hating her and because they want to hate influencers because right. they, they ultimately, I mean, it's kind of, we were talking about this before the podcast, it like goes back to that thing where it's like, almost one degree of separation. It's like, oh, so this girl can just live this great life and sell her art. Well, I'm slaving away at this crappy job. Like she sh- it's mm-hmm. like they want to tear her down. I thought another interesting narrative. I don't know if you saw this today. Um, so Aminatou So, who's uh, oh one God, of the co-hosts of Call me- Your Girlfriend. Yeah. I was um, like slow clapping for her on the subway when you sent me her story. I, I love a lot of her like it exists on her podcast or Instagram, et cetera, her thought process around what does she owe you as somebody that has an internet following. And she hasn't monetized hers in the same way that Grace has. Yeah. To use you as an example, like she's not living Mm -hmm. off of sponsored content. Yeah. Um, But she had a really interesting post where somebody asked her to um, create Instagram highlights about the books that she reads. And she wrote back to them and she was like, I don't want to do that and I don't owe that to you. And and she said it in a different way, but it was like, was you're like, asking me to do more work than I... Yeah. It was like, stop cr- asking people to do more work than they are already doing or something. And I was just like, good job, Amina. Yeah, it's crazy. And like, you know, you can... I, I, Amina, that, I, I said her own name wrong. I love that she's speaking out against that because I think so many people expect, especially women, to just bend over backwards for them. And it's like, oh, you have this following. You work for me. To go back to Caroline Kelly, it's like, what does she owe you? She nothing. owes nothing. And also, like, if you hate her, go look at someone else's totally. page. Why Why make an entire, like, subreddit to, dedicated to hating her? Also, the whole scam thing just bothers me so much because I write about actual internet scams uh, constantly and... Um, real ones. You know, real scams. And, you know, none of these people that supposedly hate scams are out chasing any of the actual, you know, people that are committing f- 
you know, bad acts on the internet. Um, I wrote about this account, Baller Busters, that calls out these course frauds. Um, and it's these, these influencer men that sell $20,000 courses and then block, and oh then block people. And then $20,000? Yeah, for $20,000. And these teenagers to are learn scrambling what? together to learn, quote unquote, entrepreneurship. Oh, my God. But then you see all these women getting bashed for selling $300 right. courses, and the, which I would which never buy insane. either because I think they're dumb. Right. But, but that like, is, it's such that a smaller the, scale thing. That's the double standard. That's the double standard. And the, and you see it so clearly when you look at these haters, like these these trolls and these Caroline Calloway, like people that have dedicated their you know days to hating on Caroline Calloway. It's like you don't actually care about fraud on Instagram. You don't actually care about scams because if you did, you you would be holding the actual you know people that are doing that stuff accountable. And I instead I, of hating on this girl selling her like boob painting. I feel <laughs> forty dollars. I haven't seen her art. I didn't even know she was doing art. Yeah, she. That's what she. I, that's the main way she monetizes now. Interesting. I'm so behind. She I only paintings. knew about the course. It's like you know, like every meter. other person in Brooklyn. Like just, she, she yeah. wants to sell her weird art. Whatever. Do it. I feel so <laughs> conflicted because on the one hand, I do really sim- like I'm not above um, voyeuristically like hate following yeah. people oh, and like we all totally totally standing totally. by to like just like watch a journey totally but at the same time it's like when it gets to the point that you're I'm quiet about to go onto yeah. the internet to write about yeah. them like that's the line for me like i think after carly came on the podcast it really i would like cash not write but i would casually look at some Gomi or Reddit threads to see what was written. I don't and think Reddit's that bad compared to Gomi. <gasps> even no, still, but Reddit is there are bad, bad places oh, really? on Reddit. Yeah. And it oh. depends who I you... I look at the blog snark one and I don't think that's that bad. Oh, but I think it also bad. depends on who you are. Totally. You know, we're like, no, they're not going after you that hard, but they're going after some people pretty hard. And I was like, no, I just like don't want to even consume this Same. anymore. Well, I tried to engage with the Caroline Calloway hater subreddit and it's just such bad faith attacks. Like I commented on one of Caroline Calloway's posts. I'm in this vegan group chat, so I'm like a lifelong vegan. And um, oh, I somebody didn't know that about you. Yeah. Sorry, at my party we had like nothing for you to eat. Oh my god, are you kidding me? I was eating chips all night. And okay, it was fun. There's cheese. I can still drink. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, but uh, plain tortilla chips, and I will make sure that we have a good vegan thing. Well, for guacamole you next time. is guac is vegan. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Chips and guac, but yeah. something else next um, time. Well, so like you know. I like I'm in this group chat. There's so much vegan internet drama 24 seven. So I'm in this group chat that basically we just like drop different vegan drama in and Caroline Calloway got in trouble, of course, because she says like, I'm vegan, but I eat salmon sometimes. And you're so like, people are like, oh, girl, well, you're not vegan then, but whatever. But of I, all the things to pick, I would pick cheese. She was trying to be vegan, yeah. but you know, I think like a lot of people can't do it hundred percent. So I'm of the mindset that like, Honestly, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's great. Like, that's still better for the environment. That's still better for the yeah. animals. Like, so I commented, oh, she's getting so much hate. And I commented on her post because somebody dropped in the group chat and they said, like, go give her some love. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. So I just posted, like, you know, stay strong. Like, any little bit helps, you know, as long as you're cutting down on me, like, that's a step forward or something, right? Log off. Okay, cut to like two hours later, there's this whole Twitter thread and Reddit thing on like, Taylor is supporting Holocaust denial. What? Oh my God, what? Yep. So I guess on a totally separate, you know, Caroline Calloway posts like a hundred posts a day. I don't. She posts like, so much. So I literally am like, how am I supposed to? I don't to follow. Have... I, I followed for a brief second and I was like, oh, this is too much. So like on, um, yeah, I follow her, but I can't, I don't see all her posts. On some totally separate post, somebody had like a bad faith reading of something she said about Anne Frank, where it sounded like she could have been referring to Anne Frank still being alive or something. It was something so stupid that ultimately kind of was not true, but 
Um, anyway, I guess, yeah. And, and so then there's people being like, and I guess she deleted some mean comments on her Instagram page, which she has every right to do. It's her page. And they're like, you're silencing Jewish voices and stuff. And I just was like, whoa, I, I don't have anything to do with this. So I tried to respond to some of these people on this Reddit and I was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, if you felt like that was the case, I really just came to comment this vegan thing and I'll delete it now. No problem. And then I see that they're like, Basically, like making up stories about me, saying I'm a bitch, saying I'm like a cut rate Gia Tolentino, which is crazy because Gia doesn't even have the same job as me. Like we're totally, we don't even. She's like a culture critic. I'm like a news reporter. Oh my god. Anyway, um, and I started reading this 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 thread, and it's just this whole subreddit that's only dedicated to hating on Caroline, and they post updates. Um, oh, those are boot paintings. Yeah, those are her pictures. I'm, yeah. I'm on, sorry, I'm showing them my phone. That right was now not what I expected. I thought painting. she was painting with her boobs. As no, the, but that would oh. be amazing instrument. Uh, anyway, these people are, these people are like, I, I think it's like truly kind of at that point you need to consider like some therapy because it's not help. It's really not mentally healthy to be, um, so obsessed with somebody and tearing someone down. It's like classic troll behavior. Um, and so anyway, that's the Caroline Calloway subreddit that I, I'm pretty sure violates Reddit's terms. Like, uh, this other journalist is potentially writing about it. And she was like, yeah, I think they blatantly violate the terms. I was like, if you want to flag that thread, it, you do it. I'm not going to be yeah. held accountable for deleting their subreddit. Yeah. I will literally, yeah. they will hate on me forever. But I just kind of think that people like that need to get a life. Okay, let's take another quick break. Today, we wanted to tell you about a new podcast that we're loving called Gee Thanks Just Bought It. So this podcast is right up my alley. It is hosted by author and shopping guru, Caroline Moss. So in every episode, she invites a guest to share a life-changing product that you didn't know you needed. So for example, how about hand warmers that double as a phone charger, the perfect spatula, or full face ice masks? Ooh. And some of our favorite people have been guests already. So folks like cookbook author Allison Roman, past podcast guest Hitha Palapu, And I also saw in her story that Molly Chen recorded an episode that is coming out soon. And the podcast is brought to you from the producers of Forever 35. And so no surprise, Kate and Dory from Forever 35 have also been guests. I love them. So I listened to the Allison Roman episode where she recommended a nylon dough scraper. You better believe I bought it. I mean, I've never made dough. So I never would have bought it, but now I'm going to make dough just because I got this scraper. So hearing how she uses it for basically everything in her kitchen convinced me that I needed it. I also heard there's an episode where someone has a $40 dupe for the Dyson Airwrap, and I think I might need that. Oh my God, please. When you find out what that is, I haven't listened to that episode yet. Me either. Please send it to me. So if you love our obsessions segment or you're just an obsessive Amazon shopper like us, I'm pretty sure you're going to love this podcast. The goal isn't to get you to buy everything, but just to turn you on to little known products that guests swear have changed their lives. So you can find G Thanks Just Bought It wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe. And also let us know if you try any of the products that are recommended over there and if we need them. Oh, it's such a fun podcast. Now back to the episode. Let's turn and talk about less controversial aspects of influencer (laughs) stuff somebody asked what is your take on how influencer culture has changed the way we shop that's so interesting i mean personally it's i mean as somebody that purchased multiple amazon dresses grace (laughs) oh my god it's i know sorry to cause i know i know we need to get away from controversy um but no, it's totally – I mean, I think like Instagram has totally changed the way I shop and influencers Same. are like part of that because I only buy stuff that influencers t- like promote now. It, I do think influencers have a 
big impact, but I think it's also like the way that brands can retarget you on yeah. Instagram. Although I have had to stop buying from sketchy internet brands because I've been yeah. burned too many times. No more. No by more. Instagram I buy jewelry on the internet. I was buying all these like Instagram ad jewelry oh. things and it was just like breaking. I brought like, yeah. Oh, no. It's terrible. I was buying a lot of dresses from China that I was like, this is so cute. Like summer dresses. I was like, this is so cute. And then I would get there and it would be like made of a plastic tablecloth. Yeah. I'll only like buy. That company Shein. Shein. I don't know if it's Shein oh, I don't know that or Shein. S-H-E-I-N. Oh. I don't know that one. It's bad. I don't know that one either. But I, I only buy it if like. An inf- like an influencer recommends it or, yeah. and yeah. they do like a try on but one that I trust like anything things yeah. I bought and liked posts I'm like I'm down mm-hmm. anything Kathleen Jennings beauty posts I am in but like a lot of influencers I'm like okay I don't want to see another post about your $30 sweater that comes in 20 no. colors and swipe up to buy it now but sometimes I do and I th- I also like following people who are not larger influencers like when Same. Olivia Mentor was talking about her Target jumpsuit I was like do I need a Target jumpsuit yeah you know like there's like smaller people who I think are um interesting to find people who you either like really vibe with or yeah. have a similar body or coloring or whatever yeah. it is to you we're like you can basically just like use somebody as a proxy to do try-ons for you and you're like oh i'll get that i was gonna say like a similar coloring or a similar body type like i know that like certain influencers like they're we wear the same size i can buy the same thing or i wear one size larger than them so i'll always just buy what they're wearing in one size up or like another influencer with like dirty blonde hair and blue eyes and fair skin i'm like that makeup palette is gonna look great on me well that's the same so my friend lauren is really really into makeup youtube and the problem with makeup youtube is that a lot of the girls first of all have a very different life than me because they're <laughs> going to clubs or you know yeah putting their makeup on for different things than me but they also like there's a lot of blonde girls or you know there's a lot of things where you're like that's cool in theory but that would look terrible on me i yeah i have the same hair type as tati westbrook oh okay and so i honestly anything she does with hair we both have this fine dark hair i mean my hair is soaking wet now <laughs> they showed up after showering but yeah it's like her makeup stuff i i'm like okay i'm not gonna spend an hour on my makeup the way she right. does but i got um I as a gift received the um from a friend the Dyson air wrap the hair curler Wait, how oh, do yeah, you yeah. like it because oh. I've been so tempted to buy it so Tati did a very negative review of it her okay. first time and it actually made me grateful that I hadn't bought it myself um and then I got and then I received it as a gift and I was like oh my god um this is so nice like and I went back to her channel and she had done a second review of it. And she was like, look, the first time that I did it, I was doing it all wrong. Let me tell you how to really work it. And the way oh. she did it for my hair type, it works now. I'll, I'll let I you know. I feel like it has it. a yeah. steep learning curve. You Next have party, to, you're bringing it over. I'll I'm going to totally. have wet, wet hair. Like everyone will yes. be here and I'll be like, guys, sorry, got to go do the Dyson. Yes, yes. Oh, no, you have to like. That'd there, be a good party trick. <laughs> there is like a total method to it. Okay. And when you nail it, it looks amazing. And that's why you need to find the people that are like you. So my friend Lauren has similar coloring to me. So I'm just like, tell me all the YouTubers that you follow so that I could go learn how to do my makeup. Yeah. Wait, this is off topic, but this is funny because Becca, I what? was at Sephora today and I was buying a Charlotte Tilbury eye palette. Love Charlotte like, Tilbury eye palettes. I love them too, but I've always just bought them online. And ever so they have these like in-store displays. They're really beautiful where they have like a model so you can see what the look looks like. But every single model had your coloring, like olive skin, brown hair, brown eyes. Charlotte Tilbury actually, m- more so than other brands, always has a model who has my coloring. And they I have a color that is so not funny. very common. And I um, was like at the counter at a Nordstrom and 
she was like shade matching me and she was like wow i've never nobody is this color and i've wondered who it's for and i'm like it's for me <laughs> that's so funny i love her too but i was just like getting so frustrated i was like i need to see what it looks like with blue eyes and fairer skin like i was getting so mad i'm a laura mercier person and she, and also same thing with the coloring i have dark hair and light eyes but i recently got rid of all my makeup and i went to credo beauty the like mm-hmm. clean beauty mm-hmm. sephora have you guys been there yeah oh, i love it oh my god i love it and but i was like I felt like I was starting from nothing because I like didn't have my products and I didn't have my stuff. And I'm like trying to go through and I I found a couple new sort of like clean beauty lines that have, um, yeah, like same thing. I saw the thing on the display and it was like, there was a there was a girl with uh, dark hair and fair skin, and I was like, "That's my makeup line." <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> I have I have my I'm so pale that like I'm like above like Laura Mercier is like porcelain color. Yeah. yeah. I, like in the winter, I'm like it's like looks tan on me, and so I was like, I got to find something that's also just as like white but not pasty. Yeah. And um, I found it at Credo. I can't remember the name though. I forgot already the brand name. Is it RMS? Is it oh. Ilya? Oh, no, no. It is Ilya. I love Ilya. Yes, I'm it so is. I'm so diehard Ilya. I mean, I think that's it. Yeah, I have it in my makeup bag. I love Ilya. That's good, yeah. One thing that we were both curious about, this is a reader question, but um, how do you find all these emerging trends and stay ahead just in time for reporting them? I feel like you're <laughs> so on the pulse of everything. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm not because I get lazy. And I'm, I am I definitely have gotten more competition in the past couple of years, which has been good because – there weren't as many reporters covering this beat a few years ago. So it was, I felt like you could just sit on things longer. And now yeah. I sit on things and someone else does them. And I'm like, fuck. Well, yeah, you've probably got more competition now. Everyone has like internet record. Like, yeah, everyone has like every media outlet hired someone to cover my beat now. It feels like, and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> calm down. It's kind of flattering though. No, totally. It's great. It's, it validates my beat. So uh, that's great. That means that my job is more secure. So that's true. Uh, I'm like, yes. Um, but uh, and also it means that there's an audience for it is basically um, so it's a good thing. But uh, how do I find things? People people ask me that a lot. I don't know. I just I spend a lot of time on the internet and I just see things. I'm sure you guys have been there. It's like you're just on Instagram looking on Explore, like noticing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like something pops up, you go down a rabbit hole. Uh-huh. I just do a lot of that. Yeah, um, have lurker accounts. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like multiple Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts, things like that. Well, where do you see influencer culture going? I mean, I feel like it's such a new cottage industry that like... Yes, tell me so I can take notes and make sure that I do it. Oh my God, I know. Except it's like it's like massive. It's like going to be like it a is. $20 billion industry or something next year. But it's a relatively new industry. Yeah, it is relatively new. Um, it's so funny. They made me for work recently like do this Q&A. And our editor was like, oh, what's an influencer? My mother found it and sent it to me. <laughs> I was getting well, she learned so what you do. angry. I was like, that's my friend, mom. She's like, cool. <laughs> I got so mad. I basically was like copy pasted from this like boilerplate piece that I wrote about like what an influencer is. Um, not only because I, I and I love my editor, so I'm not trying to say it in like a shade way, but I just feel like people that ask that question in the year 2020, it's like they're, they're just asking it to try to make a point. Like, yeah. And to make it sound dumb and stupid. Exactly. Like, what even is it? Yeah, exactly. It's like so rude um i mean i think what we're seeing now is like um a movement definitely a movement towards like more authenticity people want like the less curated stuff like they want to be able to like trust you um also i mean like there's that trend towards like micro influencers like not just doing the brand deals with um like brands not just buying out people that all have like a million followers but actually working with people that are really going to move sales um 
you know, even if they have a smaller audience because they're more like tighter connections. Um, I also see a lot of, I mean, the big trend now too is like everybody productizing themselves. So like every influencer developing their own line Mm -hmm. that can be like Mm -hmm. working with Nordstrom on like a top line and then launching your own top line later. But definitely I think like people are realizing brand deals can be very volatile and you're kind of always. We were talking to Kate Kennedy about, I'm really fascinated to see that influencer brands are starting to raise VC money. Yeah. And some of it is really speculative too, where like some of it is more like brands that actually do have product already and like have that. But I feel like there is VC money coming in on the basis of just audience. And I'm really interested to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good TechCrunch article that like did a rundown of all the VCs, but VCs are obsessed with the, the, I mean, I think that they understand the power of this industry too, and they want to get in there. They just don't really know where it depends on the company kind of what they're going to invest in well it's interesting because these people not as a blanket statement but you know they are marketing themselves as a brand versus a product and you know depending on what their job was before like great i'm all for them being entrepreneurs but i think like i've seen some of them be more successful than others where like mariana hewitt has like summer fridays is incredible brand and like has such presence in yeah. Sephora and has like really transformed things. But I've also seen other influencer brands that are like, it's like kind of like a want, want launch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or they like partner with some like bad manufacturer. Yeah. And it's uh, totally. Where it's like just having following isn't necessarily an indicator of like being able to monetize it successfully yeah. into well, a brand. Part of being a, I mean, I always say when people are like, what's an influencer? I say it's like sort of, like a big part of it is is entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. you're basically your own little startup and mm-hmm. you have to be a business you're you know you're like a soup to nuts business person you're you're running marketing for yourself you're running biz dev you're doing yeah. all of it. you're running a small business um and so sometimes people can scale that into products yep. side of it and end up hiring a lot of people and it ends up becoming a you know billion dollar company or whatever like Kylie uh but you know a lot of times yeah it's kind of ill thought out or it's they they try to do these like plug and play solutions where they just slap their name on some mm-hmm. generic product and it just doesn't resonate. When are you going to launch your line, Grace? I'd be so scared. I'd want, to, <laughs> I'd want to have my following grow a little bit more before I did anything, but I definitely want to have a skincare line someday. I would buy a skincare line from you. I yeah, would. I someday. love. This I, is like five year I plan. Love your like fashion stuff too, though. I feel like you. Could. I have a um a collection with Amazon coming out in at the end of March. Wait, I'm doing a what? line of dresses. Oh my like god, my, nightgown dresses that are not. Ripoffs yes. of somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I'll buy. I'm excited. Let's take another quick sponsor break. This episode is also sponsored by Night Pillow. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know how much we love this pillow. We are both big sleepers. I need a solid eight, ideally more hours of sleep, and I can be a bit of a brat if I don't get a good night's sleep. This is a product that makes such a difference for both of our sleep routines. Yeah, I... I am very jealous of people who can function on four or even six hours of sleep, but I can't. I love my bed. I love this pillow. We spend a lot of time together. Yes. We've been working with Knight for a very long time now, and people always ask us, do you really like it? Like, what's so great about it? And it is a little hard to describe it without, like, taking the pillow off my bed and just, like, giving an infomercial, which I've definitely done when I've had friends (laughs) over. But um, what I love about it is it's memory foam. And the best way to describe it is it's, like, a perfect mix of soft and firm. So it forms right to your head, but then it bounces back if you move around. So it never becomes, like, a flattened-out pancake in the middle of the night. And if you turn over – It just recradles your head so you're always comfortable. 
I really like that it's not too tall of a pillow. It's it's like the right height. And I also love that it has a silk pillowcase. So silk is really, really good for your hair and your skin. So first, it can help prevent wrinkles and fine lines. And the other thing is with your hair is because your hair doesn't snag on the pillow, it makes a blowout last longer. And I feel like I wake up without looking like I have crazy bad head. Yeah. They also have new colored silk pillowcases. We've raved and raved about these, but you can use these with your night pillow or any regular pillow. So I got the white ones and I love them so much. So if you're a skeptic, I totally get it. Becca was a skeptic in the beginning too. Um, It's hard to explain the magic, but I really do think trying is believing. And one thing I always tell people is that night has an amazing return policy. So you can try the pillow for 100 nights and if you don't like it, you can return it. And they also have some other amazing products. So we both really love their travel neck pillow. It's the best one I've ever used. They have awesome silk scrunchies, which I'm obsessed with. And I think you're supposed to sleep in them, but I've been starting to just use mine on the reg all the time. I have one in right now. Um, But if you are curious about night, you can take 20% off your your entire purchase at discovernight.com with code BOP20. So again, that's 20% off your purchase at discovernight.com with code BOP20. And also, I know so many people in our community have tried and love the night pillow. And I also saw so many people getting them as a holiday gift. So if you want to share your experience, send us an email at badonpaperpodcast at gmail.com or DM us and we may read your night pillow story in a future ad. We want to hear about it. Yes. Send us your stories. Back to the episode. Can we talk about the subject that I'm most excited about? Yeah. I want to talk about TikTok. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. is obsessed. I did. I fell down a rabbit hole. (laughs) I – how did I get into TikTok? Animals. Oh, yeah. Animals. I saw somebody posted a – that Lizzo song of the – boys song by Lizzo of Golden Retrievers. And I was like, I am all in on this. (laughs) Do you follow the Hound House? No, I don't. Oh my god, it's like the hype house, but for dogs, and they're oh going to be god. at the Westminster Dog Show. Stop no. it! Yes, I'm following them right now. Yeah, but I got in on dogs, and then I've because the way that you browse TikTok is so different than the way that you browse mm-hmm. anything. Where you have the for you page, and it brings in the people that you follow, and you can toggle it to just be the people that you follow. But generally, like you're just being a creep and like cruising the Instagram explore page is like the way that it's meant to be navigated. Yeah. So you get into so many weird ass rabbit holes. I went on and I was on TikTok for like a minute and I was like, this is so much. Well, it's also very overwhelmed. um, Insidery or it's very Mm self-referential where like the songs are this like there you'll hear the same song nine million times or like everyone's doing the same dance where if you just like went on you would be like what is There's this alien of, race like, meme, uh, like meta memes have you seen that one of my favorite tiktoks ever is this guy who did this tiktok on like it's like when celebrities join tiktok yes and he's like celebrities join tiktok and they're like hey guys like how do you use this thing? Like, you guys yeah. got to teach me how to use this thing. And everyone's just like staring at them blankly like, you idiot. But I do. <laughs> there are some celebrities that I do love. Like, I really like how into TikTok Shaq is. And he's not oh, particularly yeah, good at him. it. And he has a bunch of sons who I think oh, maybe okay. I'm seeing it on his son's videos. But like, like Reese Shaq. Witherspoon's son. Yeah. Did her. He got her in some videos. Yeah. That's so funny. But I it's really understand. funny just to see, see Shaq who's like this big 
super rich, super famous guy, and he's like trying to learn the dances yeah. for like what reason? Oh my god, I love it. I know all the celebrities are so thirsty. Justin Bieber was the worst because like he got on there and was just like begging people to. He was like, like singing his he was, like, song, guys, dance to Yummy. Everyone dance to Yummy, and everyone was like, no. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of worked because I see a lot of people dancing to that song. Wait, really? I never see it. I only oh, see yeah. memes making fun of it. Oh, interesting. Oh, I um, see girls dancing to that. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe he yeah, maybe he maybe it eventually worked. Do you think brands need to be on TikTok? Well, I, I think the space for brands on TikTok is through advertising. I think okay. it's kind of similar to Snapchat where um because especially because it doesn't rely on a follow graph to determine the content that you're feeding, um yeah, I think that I mean there's dedicated ad units and I think that that's the place for brands. I think establishing a user account as a brand is pretty impossible and probably a waste of money. Have you seen any brands do it well, not advertising, establishing like an actual content I've account? I've seen a lot of brands. Um, I haven't really seen any that have popped through. I mean, you could say like news brands. Um, oh, yeah. The Washington Post has Washington done well. The Washington Post is very out there. Yeah. But that's because they have Dave, who was like a Vine star doing it. And he's oh. and Dave is like a phenomenal video editor. And he's has his own sort of cult of personality. Wait. So what is the hype house? The hype oh, house. Oh, Grace. Grace. <laughs> Let's go back. This was a to question from a reader, December. but I want to know anyway. They got to read my story. Uh, yeah, let's rewind back to December 2019. Uh, bunch of, basically, a bunch of TikTokers got together and got a mansion in LA, um, which is a thing that you know influencers do. Like, I've wanted to write about collab houses for a while because there's so many YouTube ones, um, but this is like the first big TikTok one. There's also now they're like counterpart called the sway house which is basically a house full of fuck boys mm-hmm. and um oh. but they're not um like nemeses no 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 they're dating you some of some people in yeah, the hype and, house are dating yeah. sway house guys and also i feel like the people from the sway house are always at the hype house yeah they're definitely like friends and collaborators yeah. i would say it's kind of like the like yeah the like there's there's like the phase house which is like, like esports house and then they had like the clout house which was like for clout gang which was a YouTuber group, and they were like very friendly, like that. We're losing grace. Anyway, all right. So, what's the hype house? The what? hype house is this mansion in LA that a bunch of TikTokers live at, and it's also a collab group. So, it's like the name. It's like a Team Ten. Who's for, paying for it? Uh, the, they're all paying for it. They're splitting the rent, which is honestly really cheap. Like they only pay like eight hundred or nine hundred dollars a month in rent. What? Yeah. So are only the people who are living there paying the rent? No. Everyone in the club. Oh, okay. Pays oh, I just rent. assumed brands were paying them or something. No. I mean, maybe now. This the is... brands definitely like furnished it. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they've done, they're doing brand deals. I mean, most of them got signed to WME. They all have representation now. Um, I mean, Charlie and Dixie were signed to UTA. So these kids are all like stars. Um, but I would say read my article oh, on it because yeah, it gets deeper I hit, into it. I and guess what was the first thing to surface? Taylor's article. Yeah. But it's crazy because they're all under 21, I think, or mostly. They're all 21 and under, yeah. The ones that are under 18 can't legally live in the house, so they don't. But they, they, they stay there sometimes, you know, with a parent or whatever. Sometimes. Yeah. But it's crazy because it's like the most famous – backdrop on tiktok like i feel like it's very the bathroom there is very iconic yeah they have this giant bathroom that's like the size of my apartment also it's fucking gross it's carpeted it's so that whole house is so 80s i'm looking at it now. i loved like after i after the story went up um because it all has like green marble and it's so tacky and uh somebody green marble 
I love I it too. It's, it's nice. all coming back now. As a pillar, not as a sink though. Yeah. Um, some guy tweeted like, I know where all those like hideous boomer mansions are going to be basically leased out by the, like that the boomers yeah. can't sell are just going to be like leased out by TikTok stars. <laughs> Honestly, so funny. True. Yeah. Um, so. But the people in it are like so crazy famous and even like mm. addison i feel like her following addison, has really yeah she's it's like doubled in the past week i think she has a star quality to her i think that she's definitely one of the breakouts she also grace she got a cover girl deal wow she's yeah she's she's and she's really tight with dixie and charlie who i also think i mean i think i think that those three might sort of evolve beyond the hype house well but, tell me what it was like to visit the hype house so it existed and you were like i'm DMing. coming yeah i literally started dming them like the day it launched i was like, who are you dming like everyone in the house did okay. you dm them on tiktok or instagram instagram you can't dm on tiktok unless you're mutuals oh um so yeah so one girl responded and then another girl put me in touch with this girl addison has the best brows i've ever seen i'm looking at this she's so pretty so pretty pretty. and her mom is really pretty her mom is kind of like her mom is my age uh, probably her her mom is like um into tiktok too though well addison got tiktok famous because she used to dance with her parents oh yeah yeah yeah. her mom does all the dances too um but anyway uh keep on saying oh so you were dming with uh just it's like the same way that i get in touch with everyone which is like aggressively dm them on instagram be like hi i'm a reporter <laughs> can i come over <laughs> so you, you go to la and you're like hi i'm here I to la and i was like well i told them i was like i want to do a story on this because it was blowing up and right. anytime there's something that reaches a certain amount of scale i want to write about it okay um also i noticed that there was like all of these other collab groups that were like i said i wanted to do a story on collab houses forever i've i actually was supposed to do one this big feature on team 10 but then they decided last minute, Jake Paul got mad at me and wouldn't let me in the house. So I'd never wasn't able to do the story. So I basically like had all the reporting done on the history of collab houses and how it's been affecting LA. And I just needed a house to peg it to. So I like, um, yeah, I, got, I went to the hype house and everyone was just like, honestly, they're all so young and I'm so old. So I really was like the parents are like in their late 30s, early 40s. And I felt like I was related to them so how how long did you spend there i was there for like the whole day one day um and they just kind of socialize and hang out and make tiktoks and i just hung out with them and talked to all of them and basically just yeah asked them a lot of questions so are there parents there most of the time yeah there's all there's usually parents or managers around um do they live there uh, some of them do the ones that are over 18 okay yeah um but uh, yeah, the parents were around, um, and then also a, a couple managers. So it was—it's a pretty controlled environment. I mean, these kids are young enough that it's like—it's just like funny because now hanging out at house is kind of—I well, don't know if it's boring. It's fun with your friends, but like there's this like giddiness that they have just from like all being around each other, and they're like flirting, and like one kid goes by the pool and they pretend to push the girl in, and then they don't, and then she's like, "Oh my god!" Like I feel like it's just like it's one giant freshman dorm hall yeah that's what it feels like that's that's actually like the perfect way to put it yeah yeah everyone's like new and nervous and but you're so high on your own energy and you're like this is hilarious like you have all these jokes that aren't funny and you're just like we're so amped on hanging out with each other that energy that like i don't know as an adult you just like lose i guess yeah because it's this nervous energy and this like like there's a lot of like relationship dynamics, uh, you know, at play right. in that house. And so, you know, it was like a lot of that, like kind of flirting, but not flirting, but telling somebody to tell someone to say something to someone else. 
like stuff that that's why I was like with the parents being like what's up like I I feel like I relate to the parents more they're yeah. closer to my age <laughs> I thought it was so interesting I have you listened to the Gary V interview with the whole D'Amelio family only part of it I thought it was really interesting to hear just about how the parents are thinking about their children being so famous because yeah. I I need to go back and read the story apparently because I didn't realize that you wrote about what does it do to have so many followers as a kid and like how does it change high school but like I don't know it's wild like yeah I wrote a story actually I wrote a feature for the Atlantic um about uh what uh what it's like for parents when their kids blow up online oh interesting it's like for in, back in 2017 I wrote that so it's so funny because now it's even more pronounced but it's it was about the parents it was all from the parents point of view yeah. of how they navigate it have all these kids in the hype house have they like dropped out of school um I mean a lot of them are over 18 so they're oh, okay. not like I mean people I think people think a lot of them are younger than they are okay. um like Dixie is out, out of almost out of high school she's going to be going to college in the fall um but yeah, I mean, a lot of them are are over eighteen and they're not in college, okay. um, which is honestly normal for most kids in LA. Like, I mean, they're if they're in the entertainment industry, I get that. Also, yeah. just college in general. Like, why would you accrue student debt if you have twenty three million Instagram followers? You know, um, I think the Demilios have a different. They they their parents seem more. Um, intense on keeping them in school, like and having a normal life in Connecticut. Like they're not letting those girls live in the hype house. They're part. They you know they. So I think that they have a separate mindset yeah. to some of the other kids. But, um, you know, it's the same as YouTubers and it's the same as Viners and it's, it's the same cycle that's been going on um, and more and more. It's just it's just to a bigger extent. Have you kept in touch with any of the people who were like YouTube and Vine yes. people who then dropped out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wrote a feature for New York Magazine about um, this one YouTuber actually that quit the internet and then he had, ended up coming back. Do you think that TikTok will replace Instagram or is there like a world for them? I think both. Um, I think that Instagram and TikTok serve two very different purposes right okay. now. Um, it's interesting that you talk to them all on Instagram. Well, you have to because there's no – because yeah. of um, – so what, what uh, you know, what Musical.ly got in trouble for was these COPA violations for having kids under 18. Oh. And part of the – part of like the child safety thing is making it a two-way opt-in for um, – you know, for messaging. So unlike Instagram, which is sort of more open and freewheeling, like where you can message anyone, uh, pretty much unless their account's private. Um, yeah, there's not that option on TikTok. So that's why I messaged them there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that TikTok is just a different type of outlet. I think it's actually more competition to YouTube. Okay. Okay. Um, because it's more of an entertainment platform. But uh, but if you look at the way TikTok is used in, you know, a lot of Asian countries and in, um, you know, India and, and sort of basically Asian countries uh, and South America and countries, country, basically countries outside the U.S., people use it as more of a um, more of an Instagram, more of a daily sort okay. of documenting your life. And actually, a lot of teenagers use it that way, too. I think for them to really scale in America, people are going to need to use it more as like a memory type making thing. Okay. Not just a place to get famous. Right. Because it's so much like dancing where it's like I don't have the talent for this yeah that's how it is now I it's already changed so much too and like since uh, like people there was this whole movement um in December that was like bring back old TikTok and I was like it's crazy because old TikTok is a year ago <laughs> yeah um but I can't even imagine what TikTok will be like in a year from now probably something different you know people it, it's already evolving wait so all I hear about from Becca is the renegade dance well it was just because I wanted to learn the renegade dance she did she learned it 
But I do did. you know it? I don't I know. I mean, I've tried to learn it. I'm really bad at it. But I just um, did a story on uh, the girl that invented it, which is this 14-year-old um, named Jalea in um, Georgia. And she created it on her own and really hasn't gotten a lot of credit for it. So she deserves it. I'm very excited to read that. Yeah. I can't do – like, I don't have the short-term memory for any of these dances. Mm-mm, me either. I danced as a kid, so maybe it, like, it kind of comes back to you well no it's just you have the brain develop like that's part of your brain to do it but i had to watch a lot of there's like i feel like the renegade dance more than other ones there's slowed down tutorials yeah i know it so well in my head i guess i could probably do it from memory but um i haven't tried in a while okay yeah i'm worried i'd like you know throw a hip out or something what are are your favorite tiktok (laughs) accounts to follow Oh, my God. I don't know, because I just go on the For You page. Like, it's so funny, because, like, following doesn't really matter on TikTok. Like, literally until a few months ago, I would just, like, be logged out all the time and use mm-hmm. TikTok. Um, I don't know. I just save funny videos. I like the ones that are just, like, the viral funny videos. Like, some of these people are hilarious. That guy who does the videos where he's God creating animals. I haven't seen that. I don't. Okay, so. Taylor, I'm going to start texting you TikToks. No, I know. This Uh-oh. is controversial, but I don't love getting animal content. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's not animals. It's he's. Oh, he's like making weird animals. No, he's like it's like theorizing. Um, oh, like making like a horse with stripes or something or like making. Yeah, like- but like funnier. OK, <laughs> I'll show you some after. OK, show me after. I know. Well, like I have this friend that always I love birds. That's the only kind of I have a bird meme oh, I account. Hate birds. <gasps> I love birds. I really want. Do one. you have a bird? I get upset no, when I birds aren't in bird. cages. I know. I don't. They I don't need ha- to be caged. Oh, wait. Oh, no. I, I like I don't them like out. them loose. No. My friend has a loose parakeet that just, like, hangs out in yeah, their house all the time. Yeah, that's It's upsetting me. <gasps> no, I want that. Um, I think birds should be loose in the wild, but they shouldn't be in houses just, I like, know. hanging out loose. Well, some, some birds are domesticated, and but I – no, I know. I don't have a bird because I can't take care of one with my schedule. Also, is it just parrots, or do all birds live a really long time? Well, so that's the thing. Is- so – the parrot's going to outlive you. Yeah. Like a lot of these birds live a really long time, which is really sad because people get them as pets. And they don't realize that they're going to live till they're 70. There's also a huge resale market for turtles. Oh, do they live a long time too? Oh my God. Turtles live forever. Oh. My One of my best friends has a younger brother and he had a turtle and then he went to college and their mom was like, what do I do with this turtle? And so she felt terrible, but she brought it back to the pet store where she was like, I don't want to... Yeah have this turtle and he's like oh it happens all the time we we resell them because they live for like 70 years and like the only people who want to have turtles are like teenage boys yeah i had a pet tree frog growing up oh i like amphibians and birds which is so weird but i'm not like people send me dog and cat videos and i'm like "Eh." and then i see a bird video and i'm like oh so bird bird tiktok is a thing okay what other corners of tiktok are you into um that's a good question what am i into I just like go on the for you page and just go down whatever random like thing I'm into. I love the um, street style videos in Japan. Have you seen those? No, oh, I haven't gotten into wait, Japanese TikTok. Wait, it's so good. Um, okay, so basically the way they film them with like these cameras, and the whole thing is to film it as if it's like a stalker 
like a what so it's like they they film these tiktoks and it's like a person zooming in on someone like from afar as they walk down the street and at first i would be like oh they're just filming random people on the street like a street style thing but then i realized that no it's just one account documenting and it but it's meant to look like a paparazzi kind of stalker video oh interesting it's really funny so oh my gosh but their outfits are all amazing they look so put together it makes me like feel like such a slob i like makeup tiktok Oh yeah, that's funny too. I like that too. I've got to spend more time on TikTok. You got to get so into out it. Of my element. Wait, can we just like let's just switch gears again? Yeah. What are your favorite journalists to follow? Oh my god, that's such a good question. I have to pull up my Twitter list of all my. I made a Tell list. Us. People always ask me for like recommendations, and I finally made a list of all my faves. It's called Internet People um, on my Twitter. Is it a private list? Follow. Oh no, it's public. I made it public because I like wanted to, um, you know, like. I wanted people to be able to follow all the people that I love. Um, so it has 92 people on it. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's all like Katie Natopoulos is someone that I love. She's Oh, a, you referenced her from BuzzFeed, right? Yeah, she's from BuzzFeed. She's very weird on the internet. But I just think she's like, she always finds things that I've never seen before. Um, I also love um, Kyle Chaka. He writes about like minimalism and design and like the internet. And oh, okay. He has a book out that's. How do I find a list in Twitter? A great thing. I'm in your profile. Go to um, go to lists. Wait. Yeah. Great. Um. So it's just like it's like Amanda Hess, my colleague at the Times, who also writes about culture. Um. Abby Olheiser at the Washington Post. Uh. Max Reed at New York Magazine. Uh. Joe Bernstein. Oh, Kevin. This is Roos. fantastic. Yeah. I like a lot of business insider repeat people too. Um, there's this girl, Amanda Pretty, who um, writes about influencer stuff. Amanda Mall at the Atlantic is so good. She writes. About, oh, I like, love her. I follow her. Oh my god, she writes so. Taylor, am I gonna have to get on Twitter? You got to get on Twitter. Get on Twitter uh, and follow my list of people. I will. It's like totally free from politics. Like it's mostly free from politics. I've like almost successfully blocked all politics from my feed. Every time there's a political term, I block it because I just. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it overwhelms your it's, feed. It does. It can take over. I'm like, I'm trying to do my job, and I can't because it's like, you know, yeah, 24-7. So those are – and, you know, if there's any good follows, like, tweet at me. But I try to follow a lot of people and just make lists. Okay. That's smart. Yeah. Okay. How do you manage your internet time? How do you manage boundaries? I literally don't have any boundaries, okay. so I don't manage it well. Great. <laughs> good answer. I don't even know. I'm, like, on my phone. I wanted to write this story, like, last year that was, like – why it's fine to just be on your phone all day. And my editor was like, this is just you trying to justify your own yeah. deranged relationship with your phone. Your editor was like, that's not fine. Yeah. Seek help. Yeah. Wait, what's your hair routine? Somebody else asked this. Totally random. Oh my God. I, I can observe from It looks great. This, well, now it's soaking it's, wet and gross. It's not. It's it she was, arrived with wet hair and it now looks like she's ready to go. Soaked. All I want is like giant hair. Like giant Texas hair. Like I want oh. I mean I don't have it, as you guys know. Um See, I can easily have giant Texas hair, but I want sleek, pretty, silky hair like yours. You always the want way her hair have. is air drying right now is making me hate my life. It's it's too it's too silky and flat. Uh no, but it's like it's very fine and straight and I I love it to be giant and curly. Anyway, so my hair routine is that I basically uh, try to let it air dry as much as possible. Then I flip it over, blow dry it upside down, tease the shit out of it. And oh, you're a teaser. I, te- I tease it like as big as I can get it. And I have the big sexy hair volumizer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I use that. And then I have the Dyson 
curling uh, set now. So I've been using that. I got to do some internet research on that. It, the thing is, is that it takes like 90 million hours to master. Um, Ooh, I was not able to master curling my hair with a flat iron. Okay. I, is I'm, this easier or harder? It's harder. Oh, God. But um, but once you get it, it's good for your hair. I mean, the other thing is that I'll like fry it with, um, you know, like my curling iron. Sure. So yeah, I just, I want curls. I thought about getting a perm and my hairstylist was like, don't do that. <laughs> that would be a mistake. What's one thing that people don't know about you that you want them to know? Oh, that's a really good question. I just would want people to know that I'm a nice person and that I really earnestly like try to reply to everyone I can. And I, I really don't block people very often. I mean, sometimes if I'm getting a lot of spam or like backlash on something like, you know, random that I'm just tagged on, I just block. But like, I really, I don't know. I feel like because I've gotten into like internet drama, it sucks because like anyone that's gotten into internet drama, it like, it's, there's like, people can kind of stumble upon it and think that you're like this way or think that like I'm out to ruin the morning toast and I hate everyone related to it or something. And like, I literally am not like that. And I actually like don't have any IRL beef with anyone ever. And um, that's why I was so shocked when I heard about your beef. I was like, Taylor, I literally don't. And I don't even have anything against like, you know, fans of things that I write negatively about. It's just like, um, I just, I just want people to know that because I think people think that I'm like some snarky, mean person, and I'm, I'm really, really like you're I, not. No, you're not. and I don't like people like that. So. We knew you IRL before we knew your internet presence. <laughs> yeah, so. my internet presence is crazy, but um, feel free to reach out. I also love feedback on my stories. So, um, where do people reach out to you? Where do people follow you? They Wait, can- should we transition to her desperation minute? Yeah, I was gonna call it that, but yeah, yeah we well. call it a desperation minute. Oh the- yeah. You've sat through this interview with us and hung out with us. Now we want you to tell people where they can find you, what they can do for you, all yes. the things. Um, find me on Instagram and Twitter um, and TikTok if you what are so What please. are your handles? I'm at Taylor Lorenz everywhere. So okay. just at T-A-Y-L-O-R-L-O-R-E-N-Z. And um, yeah, and, and just like message me anytime or send me stuff or follow me. I love feedback. Um, I get a lot of like, sometimes I write a story and um, people will be like, I really think you messed this up. And then I end up like writing another story about that, you know. So I just love hearing from people. Please follow me. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything like super special to promote um, other than my articles. So just your articles are pretty special. Follow. Thank yeah. you. Go do it. Yeah. Go do it. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Taylor. Guys. All right, Becca, let's talk about obsessions. Yes. I think you will be interested in mine. I don't know if you already have one. So I got this little silicone disc that has a suction cup on the bottom that you put in your sink to clean your makeup brushes. Okay. And so I saw Emma Golden, who's her Instagram is Emma's thing. Um, She lives in Dallas. I'm obsessed with her. She had like a full mat one on her story and she was raving about it but i was like i don't want such a big thing that i then have to store yeah so i got this travel sized one it i think it was five dollars like it's no money and it's this little disc and it has different textured areas on it yeah i don't know what the different textures are for but i think they're to clean different brushes i kind of just swirled my, my brushes around Do you use the a soap thing. with it yeah so i use soap and so first i use soap and then the other thing i did which I don't know if this is how you're supposed to do it, is I then, um, towards the end, I kind of just like dump some micellar water on the makeup brush too and swirl it around to get the last little bit out. Yeah. 
this thing got my makeup brushes so much cleaner than I've ever gotten them. It's like the texture. It's like the little yeah. like, groove things. Yeah. Um, I have this uh, big kabuki brush that I use to put on my foundation, and I just like never feel like it's quite all the way clean. I d- used it this morning with this brush pad thing. Like it is new. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm intrigued. But I have the um I have the Beauty Blender Blender Cleanser, and it's like this black soap that you rub your brushes all over to get them clean, and I love that. Hmm. That gets my brushes so clean. I feel like if this is something like a foundation, like not like a eyeshadow brush, but something that like has stuff deep in it. Yeah. It's like it gets it. Like this is what it looks like. Oh, yeah. That looks cool. But it's only $5. That's amazing. So we'll link it in the show notes because I, it doesn't really have anything descriptive in the name. It's called Brush Cleaning Matte Silicone Makeup <laughs> Cleaning Brush Scrubber Matte Portable Washing Tool Cosmetic Brush Cleaner with Suction and Cup for Valentine's Day. If that ever sounded like an Amazon description, that's that's an Amazon description. <laughs> sure is. So I'll link it in the show notes. But um, yeah, it was a $5 well spent. Oh, that's a great $5 purchase. What is your obsession? Um, <laughs> so last week I interviewed Jenny Han um, at Sephora. Sephora, like I went, we went in- live on their Instagram and did that and First of all, Jenny Han is a complete and utter beauty junkie, if you didn't know this. We were swapping beauty recommendations, and after the um, the live, I did so much damage at Sephora. Like, I had a gift card, and I spent that, and then I spent a couple hundred dollars of my own money. Oh! Um, yeah, so I <laughs> – I'm going to tell you about a few of the things that I've, like, tried a bunch this week and love. Like, there, this is – Take this with the green salt. You know, I take my beauty reviews very seriously. These are not ready for blog reviews. One of them is, um, and it's on my blog. But they're things I'm testing and really liking so far. So the first one is, um, it's from a brand called Huda Beauty. It's their liquid lipstick in Gossip Girl. I did review this on my blog this week, but it's like the perfect casual pink lipstick. Mm. Like it's not like a lot of pinks I think are either too bright that you'd only wear them like to a party or they're like brown and like I don't like a brownie, a brown kind of pink. Like I feel like Mm. it makes my teeth look yellow. So I love that. The next is the Laneige lip mask, which I bought. Everyone's obsessed with that. Tybal, which is things I bought and liked, my favorite person on Instagram, recommended it. And I was like, I need that. I feel like every time I get my makeup done by a makeup artist, they always have that. Really? They just launched it. The watermelon lip mask? No, no. This is – um. oh, sorry. This is I'm, – I'm, I, I said the wrong brand. I'm so sorry. I love the Laneige lip mask. It's the Tatcha one. The Tatcha oh. one is the one I bought. I do like the Laneige one too. That's what I was using before. Oh, okay. I got confused because I – I use the Laneige lip mask a lot. I have like three of them. I love it. But um, Tybal like was raving and raving about the Tatcha lip mask, so I fucked oh. up. But it's um, it's really nice. It's light. It's lightweight and it like forms to your lip like almost like a sheet mask, and it's really hydrating. Um, it's really it's it's good. I again, I need to try it for like a couple more weeks before I have a solid opinion. So I got that. Oh, and I also bought this thing. It's a Biosense lactic acid treatment for like bedtime. And I love this. Immediately the next day, your your skin feels like very smooth. Like it makes a noticeable difference in texture. Does it okay. smell bad? No. You can oh, smell mine afterwards. Because I feel like a lot of the lactic acid stuff smells kind of like rancid. Yeah. Yeah. The good jeans smells a little rancid, but yeah. it's so effective. After this, you can smell mine. It doesn't smell bad. Okay. Um, And then the thing I feel like worse about, but it actually like 
does make a big difference is the Jillian Dempsey Gold Beauty Bar. Do you know what this is? Is it soap, Grace? No, it's a gold. It's like a gold vibrating device for your face, like oh. kind of like the new face or something. And so Jen, this was purely Jenny Han. She she goes up to the Sephora beauty director and she's like, I need this gold bar. And I was like listening to this whole conversation. She's like, my makeup artist used it on one half of my face and then showed me the difference on, on like what's like the side that she did and how it looked. And she's like, my whole right side of my face was lifted where my left side was just like blah. Hmm. And I got it. I've been using it. It makes a noticeable difference in lifting. So I use it like around my jawline when I want to like deep puff a little bit. I also use it around my brow bone to like lift things up a little bit. It's $200. I don't feel great telling you to get this, but it's awesome. I feel like you need to post a tutorial on your Instagram story because I can't quite picture. Mm -hmm. I will how this thing again works. everything i do just, do what jenny said do half of your face i will again i want to caveat that these are not formal beauty reviews these are just things i'm trying right now and really like so far but the huda beauty lipstick i can highly recommend it's great it stays on it's the perfect shade of pink it's really pretty what about on instagram you did a thing this week i made a new account guys so follow my new account it's called dems love duncan it's just basically all of the democrats holding duncan you know that Alyssa Mastromonaco told us that um, state and local races are just as important as the presidential race. I need I mm -hmm. need you to extend outside and I'm find going some to. new candidates drinking I'm, Duncan. I'm working on it because literally it's only Elizabeth Warren. I went I was like on a search. I was trying to find Bloomberg. Some a reader sent me Bloomberg like I think it's like 20 years old because he ha doesn't have any gray hairs. Hmm. But um <laughs> I'm trying to find more diversity to feature there because right now I've got like Elizabeth Warren and who's the other one? Somebody else. Oh, Biden. Biden likes Duncan a lot. Mm. They're both like really easy to find. Bernie. I would think Bernie as like a um, New England guy would have more Duncan shots. No. Mm -mm. Mm. Yeah. But it's my fun little project. Okay. I don't even know why I'm doing it. It's so pointless and silly, but I love it. Well, a lot of things on the internet are pointless and silly. True. So mine is The Financial Diet. So I talked about their podcast as my obsession a few weeks ago, which I'm still obsessed with. But I also started following them on Instagram around the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's not small. Like, it's not like a niche it's thing big. that I discovered. But um, it's like a mix of productivity tips and things about finance. But I just love their whole vibe. I just – I I really appreciate transparency about money things. Like, I like when people openly talk about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I'm just like – I feel like they're a really good addition to my feed recently. I'm going to follow them. Yeah. What about reading? Reading. I'm finally back in like a good groove with reading. I finished The Glass Hotel, which to be transparent, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was beautifully written. It's like a fun, um, it's an interesting story because it starts off with this woman disappearing. Then it takes you through this Ponzi scheme. And then like you're also like, like seeing these two kids grow up in Vancouver. So you're like, how does this all connect? And it does connect quite beautifully. We were considering it as a uh, March book club pick. And I don't think it's a book club pick because I don't think there's enough discussion around it. Becca's going to read it next because um, we only have one copy. Um, and I really, but I really enjoyed it. And I think that the author um, is so talented. Then I read two thrillers. So the first one was Genuine Fraud by E. Lockhart. They, this author also wrote um, We Were Liars, which is like, We Were oh. Liars. It gutted me years ago. It's so good. Um, 
it was like one of those books that you, you get to the twist and your heart stops. This one was pretty good. It wasn't as good as We Are Liars. The next one, that was from the Underline team. They sent that over. Oh, okay. The next one, you guys, it was my book of the month book. And if you listen to this podcast regularly and you hear our ads, we've been talking about this book. But it's You Are Not Alone by um, Sarah Pekinen and Greer Hendricks. This is the best thriller I've read in so long. Like, I stayed up all night last night finishing it. I am just so happy. I haven't had a, a book like like the – I mean, think about the other books they've written, The Wife Between Us and um, An Anonymous Girl. It's like that. It just keeps you up. I loved it so much. I'm like – I feel like I'm going to have a reading hangover now because nothing is going to be as good that I read next. But it was so good. I think I need to read that next. It's so great. And I don't know if you're going to like it. I'm like having a little stress that you won't like it because you're not as into thrillers as me. But it's also like I feel like there's a lot of thriller angles that are really common. Like the I guess the trope would be the a better word to say it. And this one I hadn't seen anyone do it. OK. It was great. I'm excited. How about you? So I finished House of Earth and Fire, which is the first book in Sarah J. Moss's new adult series. The series is called Crescent City. And that was a contender for a March book club. I mean, not really. It was until I received it and realized it was 800 pages. Oh, that's right. We talked about this last week. We can't make no. you guys read an 800 page book. And I think it's like it's a pretty niche thing because it's um, I guess it's not sci fi, but it's like it's fantasy. Yeah. Which I'm apparently really into. I would have never six months ago told you that like I was really into fantasy books but apparently I am because I've now read all of her books and I've read like thousands and thousands of pages of her books in the past three months you sure have anyway so this is her new series it's adult not young adult um there's actually less sex in it than her other series but there's definitely like just like more adult emotions and language I guess um so last week, I was like pretty skeptical about it. I was at 150 pages in and I was like, oh, it's just starting to get good. Grace. I'm actually really glad that I wasn't into it at first because it didn't steal my life. And okay. I didn't get into it until Friday night. And then it stole my whole weekend because I was so into it. That's the best feeling when a book just takes over your weekend. It was so good. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, if you like any of Sarah J. Moss's other series, I think you'll like this. I would just say give it like 150 pages because it's confusing at first. Yeah, okay. And then once you're into it, I like loved it. Yeah. So then what I'm reading now, I'm reading this book called Our Stop by Laura Jane Williams. This is what I'm going to read next. Yeah, it, I'm loving it. So it's a British chiclet in our One Day in December book club episode I told people what my favorite chiclet books were, British chiclet books were, and I asked for recommendations. And a bunch of people, a bunch of our listeners who live in the UK suggested this one. And it's been out in the UK for, I don't know, like six months or so, but it just came out in the US this week. So people had read it, but like I, I couldn't get it. So yeah. I pre-ordered it on Amazon. So I got it the first day it came out and I started reading it right away. It's so cute. It's basically this girl. It's actually, it might be the book with like the main character that I've like most closely understood okay. or like related to. Like it's just all of the references are so current, but it's basically about this girl who, ha she lives in London. She rides this 
tries to ride the same subway train every day. And this guy places a misconnection ad about her. And then it's about them trying to like find each other. Oh, that's so cute. It's really cute. I'm really excited for this one. I think after like a really good thriller, it's nice to follow it up with like a fun, like cute, warm, lighthearted book. Yes. So I'm reading that. I'm really into it so far. And if none of those wet your whistle, we are having our February book club next week and we're reading Followers by Megan Angelo. It's so good. It's going to be a really fun conversation too. Yeah. So it's about, it's told in two timelines. One of the timelines is in the present about these two roommates who live in New York City and one's an up and coming writer, one's an influencer, and they end up getting a reality TV show. And then the second one is set 50, 50 years in the 30. 40? 35. 35 years in the future. And it follows uh, basically in a somewhat dystopian but could happen world, all of the influencers live in a gated community outside of LA and they're broadcasting their life all day long, like the Truman Show. Spoiler alert, I am no longer an influencer. I mean, we don't know yet for 35 years. And um. It's kind of about how those two timelines tie together and yeah, it's it's really good. It's like soapy and interesting, but it also has like very interesting um raises really interesting questions about like privacy and about social media and about reality TV. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's a really fun one. So pick that up. And if you would like more of us, join our Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. Leave us a review. And you can follow me on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. You can follow me on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye.